0: Hey everyone, Uh, welcome back to the Digital Church Toolkit podcast. Uh, On this episode, I interview uh, Steve Upple. Steve Upple is a senior pastor of a church in Wolverhampton in the UK. He's been leading the church 20 years. Uh, He is on the board of Evangelical Alliance, speaks at some pretty major events in the UK, Spring Harvest, New Wine, etc. And um, it was great to jump onto a Zoom call with Steve and interview him. However, we were, uh, I was interviewing him on the road, and um, the quality, particularly of my line, isn't the best, however, the quality of his line is actually alright, so I'm going to throw it up as it going to is, gonna, uh, I've tried to clean it up as best I can, but just thought I'd pre-warn you, the quality, particularly in my line, isn't great, but I really think this interview is going to help a lot of people, particularly if you are a church leader, uh, a church pastor, you know, it's going to help you just develop a rhythm that's going to help you excel in your ministry, excel in your life, and uh, I know from first-hand experience that Steve is someone that excels in everything that he does, and uh, it was an absolute pleasure to interview him, so here we go.
1: So Steve, why don't you just introduce yourself to everyone that that listens?
2: Uh, Hi Pete, Uh, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, Yeah, you're right, I've been born and raised in Wolverhampton, Um, I'm 45, so I'm born in 1974 here. Started leading a church here in uh, 2001 as the senior leader, but been in the same church since about 1991. So it's an interesting journey, journeying with the same community of people, but then since 2001, bringing change, um, changing leadership, changing the way we do things. Uh, We're a, a hub in Wolverhampton with a number of campuses that we've planted, Or churches that we've repurposed that have become campuses as well. And then we've got a growing family of churches in the UK. I don't know if that's too complicated or that helps. No, I think that helps.
1: And so for those of people who aren't familiar with Wolverhampton, why don't you explain Wolverhampton uh, to people that listen?
2: Industrial town in its history, part of the uh, Industrial Revolution in the 1700s. So lots of factories, uh, working class mainly. Uh, Very multicultural, um, probably over 100 languages spoken in the city. Um, It's got a university, it's a university town, a population of just under a quarter of a million. Uh, And we're very close to Birmingham, which is a big city nearby and so we kind of people traveling in and out there working out there and there's also very large churches in Birmingham which sometimes has a pull on people as well.
1: I know you were just saying you've led over since 2001 you've been a senior leader of the church so why don't you just talk about um, what's kind of the biggest lesson that you think you've learned in that time?
2: The biggest lesson that's a big question Pete. Um, there's probably a number of lessons I think um, probably hands down the biggest lesson is as it goes with the leader, so it goes with the church. So the importance of not just doing ministry, but spending time working on oneself, developing oneself, keeping my walk with Jesus fresh and vibrant, but also developing my leadership, my preaching, I've realized if I stay fresh and if I'm growing, normally the church stays fresh and the church is growing. But the battle that we face is ministry many times is dealing with um, the, the, the demand and the busyness of everything else around me is stopping me from working on myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think one of the most important investments a leader makes is into their own life into their own leadership, into their own spirituality. And it's not just about my spiritual walk or a leader's spiritual walk. I think that's very part of it. But I think it's also about um, being aware emotionally, what makes me tick. Um, Why do I do that? So over the years I've had to learn, why do I react that way? Why does that happen? And then there's a development of our gifts as well. So a communication gift, preaching gift, Uh, or my management of people and the leadership of my team. Uh, When I started, there were no staff. I think we had one half day a week secretary paying bills. And today there's probably about 25 people on staff. So I have to change to learn how to manage that. And it doesn't come overnight. You have to develop yourself as a person and Uh, don't always get it right. You learn by your mistakes as well. So I read quite widely and I would listen to others. I meet with other people. All of that is an investment into myself to become the person that I think God has called me to be.
1: I was going to ask this question later, but it feels like it ties in now. How does your family life tie in with leading a busy, growing
2: church? Um, It it definitely is a, a, a big part of our value system here that um, if you lead family well, it qualifies you to do ministry. If you don't lead family well, then it's uh, it's a sign that maybe something needs to be paid attention to in the in the secret area of your life. And, and by that, I I, I don't I, I just simply mean I've seen too many. It's not just pastors; it's business people do it. People climbing the career ladder they can neglect their marriage or neglect their children in pursuit of. Ministry or business or a career, and I, uh, we try really hard, Esther and I, have over the years to make sure we build certain rhythms and routines into our life that help us to, to sustain a, a healthy marriage and our parenting. So, if any of your listeners have. Uh, heard me speak uh, more than maybe twice. They may have heard me speak about a manner of life, a routine to life, a rhythm to life. I I think that's uh, critical for the long haul. I think uh, I heard a leader say, without certain disciplines, rhythms, and routines, ministry for the long haul is impossible. If you don't have them in your life, you won't survive the long haul. So I found, for example, a Sabbath day, A Monday is a day off, a time with Esther, a day to delight in the Lord, Uh, evenings, uh, many of them as times for an hour and a half, two hours as a meal table with the family, having conversations, listening to what the kids are doing and what they've been through. So family is massively important, uh, but you've really got to prioritize and schedule time together for it to work. I I mean, I could take the whole podcast on family because it's a passion. I think if people haven't seen it, they could go on the TBN UK website. I recorded a whole series of programs called Healthy Life. They're actually currently being aired again. Uh, But all of that is about how to have a healthy routine to life to sustain you for the long haul. I think what you're saying is
1: fantastic. And you were saying before you've led the church since 2001. What would you say, you know, culture, technology has changed a lot since 2001. What have you seen, seen the biggest changes you think there has been in that time, in your opinion, as someone who's like leading a church week in,
2: week out? So uh, I'm not an expert on all of this, <laughs> but I think in, in, there's negatives and positives. I think some of the negative, that people are far more distracted. So I think technology's meant that and they can be sitting in a service listening to you preach and at the same time, be texting or on social media or or you make a comment, they can search out whether it's true or not within 10 seconds. So making sure that we say things that we've researched, whereas maybe 30, 40 years ago, if I quoted facts, if they're a bit off, not that you know I would I'd do that, um, people may not know, but nowadays we've got a very, very Um, uh, people have access to knowledge and information very quickly and also I think attention span low in terms of uh, it's short attention span and and I'm generalizing not everybody's that way so I think there's a negative in terms of distraction so that's part of it I think secondly The world has become more, the people are listening to me, but they're all listening to Fitz and Furtick, and they're listening to Craig Grishel, and they're listening to whoever, you mention your name around the world, or they're listening to our worship team, but they've also got Upper Room from Dallas, and they've got Bethel, and they've got... And, And the game of comparison is huge. You know, our pastor in Wolverhampton isn't like, and you pick your super celebrity, so... I think there's a challenge in that. And I, I do teach into it to our church. I'm not of the people I am who I am. Uh, our story's different. Our uh, context is different. My upbringing different. And so trying to teach them to value what they have here, while they can receive enrichment from other places, but to be careful not to play the comparison game. Uh, we're not a church of 30,000 with a budget of 30,000 being able to employ multiple staff onto a worship team and all, all that maybe go. I'm not kind of um, defending, um, uh, you know, not, not working hard and not working well, but the context in Wolverhampton for our church is very different from a church of 20 or 30,000 with a huge budget and what they can produce. So I think that's a challenge not only for the congregation, but it's a challenge for pastors who may listen to one of the big guys from around the world, preach and then think, Oh, I'm not like him. So I don't think you have to be like other people. I I do teach. You should work on yourself and you should become better. I've said that already, but at the same time, you can only be you. So don't start comparing yourself to other people. Now on a positive, I think most people that visit our church, visit our website before they visit our church. So, Using the internet and tech to your advantage is important. We mustn't bury our heads in the sand. I think, you know, now people will now visit websites before they go to a restaurant. So they're going to visit websites before they go to a church. And yet I don't know how many churches are investing into their um internet presence, social media presence, so that when people are looking for somewhere in that city to go to church, that it's a shop window for them to experience. They may listen to one or two sermons, visit your website before they even decide to come through your door. In that is really important, Uh, but maybe for some, it's still a bit scary. Maybe it feels like it's a bit costly and they need help navigating that arena I think you're totally correct.
1: I, I just want you are talking about the access to knowledge. Has people's ability to access like information and fact, has that actually changed the way you preach at all? Because suddenly you're not having to preach to teach people facts anymore. You're having to teach people maybe how to process the facts
2: they're receiving or are you just still just you, you know, has that changed the way you preach? I think, I think the way that I'm wired anyway, I'm not very stats and facts based. In the way that I communicate, I'm very practical. I think in my spirituality and quite devotional. So it hasn't changed the way that I would preach, apart from I guess some subjects. We we podcast for many years as well. uh, That CDs going out, so I've learned to be careful what I say. So you know that it's truthful. That I've researched to the best of my ability that there isn't exaggeration I, I I think preachers can be prone to exaggerating things and uh, I, I I think authenticity goes a long way uh, I I have a natural bent that way I think people connect with me because if I've had a bad week I'll tell you I've had a bad week if I you know had an argument with Esther I'll probably talk about it on Sunday and, use it as a way of saying, look, I'm not perfect. We're all a bit broken. So I think primarily people engage with me because of that authenticity. So it probably hasn't had a huge impact uh, apart from I'm just a little bit more careful how I do what I do, making sure that stats and facts are correct. Uh, And also when it comes to issues around sexuality, uh, because it's such hot potato topics, that I know what I believe the Bible says, that I communicate it with compassion and love, uh, but I still hold to conservative evangelical views. Uh, But I'm just aware that some people may want to use that as ammunition. And so, you know, as people we're gracious, and I want to be gracious in the preaching of God's word as well. And as
1: someone that knows you, Steve, I know that you're gracious in all your interactions with everyone, and I've seen you behind the scenes, so I know that to be true um, I know that you've vlogged for periods in your life so I guess and you probably were you know you were documenting your life a little bit probably before that was even before it was the in thing to do so why don't you talk a little bit like about that what made you do that and what you kind of thinks were like the for you like what were the positives like what what did you get out of that experience uh,
2: so I vlogged I think for two years Pretty much, maybe 19 months, something like that, um, pretty much every other day. So I permanently almost carried a camera around with me and documented family times, times at the gym, devotions with the Lord. Some people were highly offended I was doing that in terms of they would write to me or say to me, who do you think you are? You think you're some celebrity? Uh, Other people thought it was massively encouraging that I was filling a space there with something positive. Um, My reasons for doing it, and I took a lot of uh, advice and counsel, I just thought I could see vlogging taking off, but most of what I saw out there was around, you know, secular things, and they're not bad things. People were traveling. Some people were just documenting their lives, and I thought, well, if the world's going to watch lives, why not have a positive view about marriage and about raising kids and about following christ i just wanted to fill that space and so i, I did it for 19 months and then uh, to, uh, i've taken a break and i haven't gone back to it in about two years and they're all still on the internet uh, on youtube And what did i get from it i think it helped me massively in my communication skills so when you when you're producing a vlog that's going to be three minutes or four minutes you've really got to think through what you want to say and make it succinct and poignant and not waffle And I realized, I think, when I started to record those programs, that I had a tendency to waffle the amount of times I'd go back and re-record something because I just felt like I took too long trying to say something that should be said in 20 seconds, and I was taking a minute to say it. So I think for me, it really helped me to be sharper in what I wanted to do, which has helped uh, subsequently, in you know, recording radio programs, recording for TV, um, and also my preaching, I've I found that it's it's really helped me to grow. So I would recommend it. Now, people have been asking me to start doing it again. Nearly everywhere I go, people say, "Oh, I've been watching your vlogs, and it's interesting." Some people don't look at the date; they think I'm still doing them, and so they'll quote something to me, and I say, "You know, that's two years old." <laughs> so, uh, but. I think if I did go back, I'd you know, probably do more live stuff. So Instagram Live or FaceTime Live or both together or something like that. I think in the moment without rehearsing it is probably what people want. But it's a great way to still get a message across, let people have access into our lives. Uh, I, I would hazard a guess that if the Apostle Paul had access to this technology, he would use it. Uh, he used letters and had them read in churches but I think if he could have used video he would have, if he could have been there live, he would have been live yeah
1: what would you say if if there was like a senior pastor lead pastor, associate pastor listening and then nervous about letting people see maybe the behind the scenes of their life, what would you say to that, you know what was, you know, you talked about kind of some of the backlash but you know, what, what would you say to people like, oh, I love that idea, but
2: I just don't know if I want people to see me at the gym, you know? Yeah, I think you choose what areas you want people to have access to. So um, I was pretty much – people had access everywhere. So I think, you know, sometimes even on a day off, I would just uh, record on that day off too. And, and really to teach what a day off looks like, or if I was doing something on diet, I think primarily, because I don't think, some, some may disagree, I, I didn't think I had anything to hide, so I wanted them to, some people actually didn't believe in the early days that we, we sat down as a family around the table. People in my own church said, you don't really do that, you did it for the blog, and I said, no, we actually do sit down and eat together every day, and so... And and surprisingly, maybe or maybe surprisingly not, uh, many people have had stories back who've been inspired in their spirituality, inspired in their marriage, or inspired in their health from watching one of the vlogs or a few of the vlogs. So I, I would say you choose what area of life you want to allow people to have access to. I don't watch many vlogs of other people now. I did for a while, but I realised many of them give you access to one area, but they don't give you access to every area. But you feel like you get to know uh, what I think the, the the important thing is that people get to know you and that you're not crafting something false but it's a real window into that area of your life Steve I love
1: what you're saying and I think that's really helpful you know on some other podcasts we've talked a lot about social media and how to use it but I think you're talking about kind of the found three layer to that which is how to make sure you have a life which is worth showing <laughs> how to make sure that I think what you were saying about having nothing to hide you know, and I, I thought that might be your response. You know, I think if, I know in the business, we we every, we document the business on a podcast. And, you know, I'm kind of like, obviously we don't name clients and there's some bits we don't talk about, but I want to run a business that I want everyone to want to see all of it. If I've got bits of it that I don't want people to see, then there's probably something wrong with the business rather than what not wanting to show it. Just to kind of finish up, I know your time is precious. And um so... I know you travel around the UK a lot and you travel around the world a lot. So what are kind of some of the stories of hope you see in the church in the UK and around the
2: world? Uh, Some of the encouragements for me is the increase, probably in three areas, increase in prayer. I think there feels like more churches are beginning to pray, there's more prayer movements, there's more prayer gatherings, there's more united prayer going on. I think that's a precursor to a move of God when people are praying. I think, secondly, the whole unity thing. Um, the Evangelical Alliance did some research a couple of years ago and found that there were 130 unity movements across the UK. So that's massively encouraging that across towns and cities in the UK, uh, people are gathering across different streams to pray together and be together. And then thirdly, the increase in mission and evangelism more uh, younger people who are giving themselves to evangelism you know, they're not famous they've not got a newsletter or a name for their ministry but they're on the streets they're sharing their faith they're asking the lord for words of knowledge or words of wisdom and then leading people to christ i think across all the streams and denominations there's a major push i had a document sent to me a few months ago uh, of uh, just somebody collated all this data of in the next 10 years, how many churches will be planted because of all of these different streams and denominations, making church planting and mission a priority. So I think all of those things are massively encouraging to me. And, and, and the same worldwide, whether I'm in the States, I've just come back from Asia, and, and the church just seems to be on the advance. I heard Gavin Calver from the Evangelical Alliance just say uh, last week, In a talk, he just said, you know, more people gave their lives to Christ yesterday than on any other day in history. And tomorrow, more people will give their lives to Christ than any other day in history. It's just going up. Uh, And there's some very, very exciting facts, stats about what God is up to across the world. I do think there's 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 a coming of darkness and light. I think there's going to be some challenge and battle. Uh, but I think it's the finest hour for the church, but we have to get on God's storyline to do what God wants us to do. So, yeah, I, I live excited. Uh, I'll just make one comment about the whole thing uh, about vlogging. And i was just thinking that, I, that the way we raise leaders at, at All Nations is they're in our homes. So our training is done around the meal table. Come into my house, eat with me, meet my kids, meet my wife. My kids will talk. Esther will share. And really what we're doing is discipleship. We're saying, come alongside. Yes, we'll do some theology, but this is how that theology is worked out in practice. And I think the social media piece and the blogging was just an extension of that for a bigger audience.
1: Just to, I know you've mentioned TBN
2: and you've mentioned the blogging. Where
1: can people connect with you? Where can people, you know, they like, I like this guy. Does he
2: have a book? does he have some books like where, where can people find you yeah i i would say even though i'm on your podcast my my social media presence probably isn't as good as it should be but i'm on twitter i'm on instagram i'm on facebook i've got my own um uh, uh, website as well but you know podcasts to podcast on all um and you'll if you go to steveupple.com you can see all the books i've written and stuff but yeah i probably should be sharper i'll get your help on getting sharper on the on the social media well,
1: i'm sure you know me and your pa have been having some conversations so yes um, and yeah. great steve thank you so much i'm very confident uh, what you've shared has blessed me and i'm confident it will bless uh, our listeners and i will put in the show notes all the links to all your various websites podcast books and all that kind of stuff so uh, thank you very much thanks pete
0: so there you have it. There's my interviewer, Steve Upper. What I really enjoyed about interviewing Steve is just how down to earth, uh, unauthentic he is. And, and what you hear uh, is what you get. And uh, I, I know that to be true. And he um, he just really helped, I think, talk about developing a sustainable life inside ministry and also inside uh, kind of handling of digital age, social media, etc. So I really hope that helped you. Uh, It is December. I don't know how it came around so quickly, but um, we just want to wish you a Merry Christmas, and we uh, hope you have a really good time. If you're on staff at the church, if you're a pastor, if you're a leader... Uh, I hope you remember to take some time to rest. I hope everything that you do, all your events are fruitful. I hope a lot of people come in that have never walked through your doors before. And um, I really just pray that 2020 is gearing up to be a really successful year. And um, I know for us, we're believing it's going to be a year of radical growth. And I'm believing the same for you. And um, as always, if you need help with your digital comm strategy for 2020, we're here to help. We have a number of uh, workshops already booked in, uh, strategy workshops for churches and ministries for the first couple of months in 2020. And if you would want to jump in on that, you can. You can email us at hello at digitalchurchtoolkit.com. As always... The other thing we have going on in the first quarter of 2020 is our virtual conference. We're really excited about our virtual conference. We've got a whole bunch of speakers. Steve is actually going to be speaking uh, at that too, along with John Tyson from Church City, NYC. We've got the creative team from HTB down in London. Uh, we've got some of our good friends, videographers, marketers, graphic designers, all talking to and we're just really excited about everything that's going on there and that is happening at uh, the first week of february and you can go to www.digitalchurchtalkit.com forward slash vc20 and you can register and it is totally for free i'll leave it there i hope you have a great weekend if we don't uh, get to connect with you before then have a very good christmas and i will hear from you in 2020